This is this is forty. What this what were you what doing? I was cleaning the oven. I was literally I was and I was trying to like um I was trying to check this one thing so I like st- I think I like stretched my arm too far and I was like ow and somehow it like ruined my chest. So ow. here we are. Ow, ow this oh, hurts. gosh. <laughs> Ouchie. Not only am I weak, I'm now nimble. <laughs> Oh, uh, man. So I did some 10-minute uh, topics so we don't have to even Whoa. worry about creating anything. That's awesome because was... it is 921. We have started recording exactly nine minute, uh, eight minutes and 47 seconds ago as the crow flies. Okay, let's see if we can do this in an hour. Christmas right. Spectacular. Woo. No. Do we have any ads on this episode? Nope. But I okay. would like to point people to Catholic.store. There's great well, people. Yes, I, I would agree. And I also like, uh, well, I'm going to point people to a lot of things right now. But Let's hear it. One, uh, th- all these questions. Actually, th- okay, th- this is not important, so I, I will wait. Um, can we talk about the GoFundMe that your wife shared on Instagram, or is that, or, is that okay? Uh, I don't follow my wife on Instagram, so yes. For our friends whose daughter needs a... Yes. Um, yes, we can talk about that? Yeah. Okay, so uh, you guys might remember Jonathan Alexander. He's been on the show a couple times. Uh, they have a daughter. You might know. You might know a little bit more about this. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and talk about it, you can. Our superhero needs a sidekick. Before today, we have not shared any details about what's been going on with her because what after what seems like hundreds of. PT and doctor's appointments, so much blood drawn, and 14 months of sleepless nights. We remain in the limbo of, let's do the next test to get more info. One thing we do know about our baby girl is that she's a fighter. Our most recent example is trying to get her scheduled for a basic procedure, putting tubes in her ears due to chronic ear infections. We've only been able to treat those infections with antibiotic injections. She sleeps three to four nights a week right now, crying and holding her ears while she tries to get restless sleep. We finally got with an ENT, finally made the surgery week, and we were denied by two different hospitals hospitals and anesthesiologists who refused to do the procedure due to her abnormal blood work. So we must start the process over again, getting in with an ENT, getting the process scheduled, fighting an anesthesiologist who will work with our case. Even though she has constant pressure behind her ears, she scrunches her nose and shows off her dimples any chance she gets. She's a smiling, joyful little girl. So this is what they're doing. They are looking for... Um, to get their daughter Isabella a mobility service dog, mostly for her stability. She um, she can't walk straight. She has um, issues with her skeletal muscular tissue. Um, they have uh, so they'll talk about her legs being really strong, but her core of having like nothing, so that she can she can <laughs> she has this funny story where she can lift her siblings into the sky. You know, do airplane where you put your legs on the ground. But she can't mm-hmm. sit up, basically, like during diaper changes wow. and stuff. So she has this wow. abnormal blood work that has been going on forever. They haven't been able to nail down what is happening to her. So um, she won't. Uh, she she's not going to really grow out of this. So though her legs are strong, she loses her balance all the time. She falls down all the time. Um, and her brain it, it can't catch up to her walking and stuff. So the hope was um, that she'd be able to get grow out of it, but that it doesn't look like it's going to happen at all. And so what they want to do is get a mobility service dog, and those are very expensive. Um, so those are um, 
they're on a wait list. They have all this stuff. So they're just hoping to raise, I think, the goal, the actual dog that they uh, need is $12,000. So um, they, you know, Jonathan works for Adore Ministries. Um, she works for Grazia Plana, which is a counseling service that doesn't accept insurance. So people pay what they can. Uh, I have used Grazia Plana for my kiddos, and it was, in, I mean, incredible that you could pay what you can. Um, so that's the type of people who are asking for this. This isn't like people who don't care to, you know, pay for things. These are people who this is this is after spending, you know, thousands of dollars trying to get their daughter just just to find out what's wrong with her, not even to get her well, and they still haven't been able to do that. So yeah, yeah. So I um I don't know his wife as well, but uh, but um, Jonathan Alexander is just, is just one of my um sorry I let like. When I move my chest, I'm like, I can't talk, uh, uh, which makes it uh, double hard. Um, but uh, he's just one of my favorite in, um, individuals in um, in the world. He's been on the podcast probably maybe four or five times. We did our big Marvel uh, episode I, with him. Yeah. Yeah. So he, uh, you've you've heard him at least. I remember when the floods happened out in Houston, we had him oh, on. Right, yeah. uh, I think we had him on. And so, just uh, if um, if, he, if if you're trying to find stuff to give to this this holiday season, uh, I think this is a great thing to do because they're just a I, I they they are a I'm a couple who have 100 percent like given everything over to like a service to Christ and to His church and to his like his own people and they are doing all of that without trying to become like a famous speaker or like a uh, like a famous you know. Um, whatever they're actually just doing the work, and so uh, if if um, if you can, I really uh, encourage you to please go there to go to their GoFundMe um, five dollars, ten dollars, just like whatever you can do. Uh, that really does go a, a long way. And then um, also as well, David Bickle, who's been on the podcast um, multiple times, as well as you guys, as you know, um, his um, wife. Uh, um, has had cancer for what, like two, four three years. years now? Four, four years, freaking years. Um, they've been dealing. It's, it's been a long four years, but I mean, it's I mean, praise God that she's still alive and all yeah. and all that stuff. But uh, they're just it's it's hard. It's very hard for them right now. Uh, there's just a lot, a lot going on. So, if you can, we also really encourage you to go to um, uh, Dave's GoFundMe that goes directly to his family. They have incredible health care cost right right now along with a couple other kids they have that already have special needs uh dave and amber are just phenomenal people uh, again like dave's done such great work for the church doesn't try to become i don't know like dave and jonathan to me are both guys who could be like very very um, big and famous people but they're not because they're doing like they're just doing ministry, and that's where their heart is, and that's where God has called. I mean, famous in terms of like our stupid little um, Catholic sphere. Um, and so, I just really encourage you guys, if you can, please go to those two sites. Uh, if you can, just five, ten bucks, whatever. It really does go a um, long way. And so, um, you know, we'll probably have in the end ten thousand people will like end up hearing of this episode. And if just think about like what we can do if just like one percent of you guys yeah. go. And if you guys can just give five bucks, it really, it, I'm truly like, just if you can, I'm asking you, please go. Yeah. Go. So I put those in the uh, show notes to this show. Let me give you a little background with the Van Vickles fight. So me and Dave recorded an episode of Every Knee Shall Bow 
not too long ago. And Dave, he was like, I just, I go, so is there anything you want to talk about before we get in? He goes, yeah, just ask me how my, how my month is going. And I was like, okay. And so we start the show and do a little shtick. And then I was like, so how's your month going? And he's like, this has been the worst month of my life. And I was like, uh oh. So basically what happened is um, his wife, Amber, so when we raised all the money originally, they had a goal of $250,000. They raised that goal. They met it. They hit about 300000 So about two months ago, I asked Dave, whose wife um, hasn't been doing well, I said, yeah, how's the money? Can you pay for like a nanny out of that money or a, not a nanny, um, an in-home healthcare worker? And he said, uh, no, the money's gone. I've spent every dollar. And I was like, what? Have you really? And he's like, yeah, I've spent it all on the treatment that saved her life. I said, what was that? And he said, it's this Nashville protocol or Nashville treatment, and it's experimental. And he's like, that's what we used the money for way back when, when all of a sudden her cancer started going down and all this stuff. He said, um, now that she hasn't been feeling well for the past, like, gosh, I don't even know how many months, maybe nine months, six months, something like that. Um, He said that they reached out to us uh, in consultation and said, well, now that the cancer has actually gotten smaller, we could maybe do another round of this treatment again. And so that gave them a lot of hope because they, they had exhausted all of their hope. And uh, so they raised uh, – uh, now they're almost at half a million dollars, which is crazy. But um, the kids got sick. Someone got sick in the family. It just you know spread as it does with kids. Um, and everyone got sick. Well, Amber hasn't been able to shake it. She's had it. The kids all had it for like three, four days. She's had it for three, four weeks. And they can't start the cancer treatment unless she's virus free. So she, they are like, they just got the news that they're gonna, they're postponing her surgery or her treatment. And as he's driving home from that appointment, he gets a phone call that he's being laid off from work. As he's driving back. So just like horribleness after horribleness after horribleness. So um, although he did just post that the archdiocese is going to extend his uh, health benefits to February 1st. So it just takes a load off his mind so that he can have enough time to find a job and not worry about that for Christmas. But um, yeah, like that, that that's like all of this stuff. And so I talked to him and he's like, "Um, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm about to break. And I was like, Dave, I've never met a single person that could, Take what you're having to deal with. And he's like, but let me just say, like, if anyone can handle it, it's you. And it's because of your relationship with the Lord. So anything you need from me, I'm here to help. So it's just crazy what people are going through. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And um, continue just to please just pray for, um, pray for uh, Dave, his, uh, like, obviously his wife, Amber. Um, That's, man, man, I just... I remember I was uh, the other day. I was like, I, I need to get out of bed, and I was, I got like a window of time, and I was like, you know what? If Dave and Vickle can like do this, I can just get out of bed like five. You know, I don't have to sit here for like five, like five little minutes. And I, I, it's something. I, it sounds dumb. I'm not trying to congratulate myself. Be like, Dave's going through hell, but I, I like, like you know, offer up a small sacrifice for him. Go me. <laughs> um, as I just clear my throat right into the microphone. Uh, I, the, that stuff is really powerful too. So just when they're like, if, if you can offer up tiny up sacrifices, it's just for like Amber and Dave as well as your money. And, um, and just for other people in your life too, because that, uh, um, that's very real. That's very, very real. So. 
Well, and the third thing, Patreon.com. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, also, but really. Uh, so we, we're we going to just do a bunch of 10-minute um, topics. I think we can get done here within an hour. Yep, that's our goal. What time do we set? Like uh, 10.20, your, your time? Let's say 10.15. All right. So Erica asks, here we go. Let's, let's end 2022. It's been great. Uh, best alcoholic beverages you've ever had. Best alcoholic beverages I've ever had. Okay. This is tough. This is hard. Yeah. No, it's not hard for me. So let's break okay, it down go. to categories of wine, liquor, and beer. Okay. Uh, beer. You first. Uh, okay. Best beer I've ever had. Okay. We're going to do the standard Franciscan University thing in Austria. Um uh, Stiegel, Stiegel brew, uh, recipe from 1492. Um, Stiegel in uh, Salzburg with Jonathan Alexander and uh, Michael Blaisdell and uh, Adam Robazzoli. Wonderful people. And uh, just drinking out in, in the middle of, of Austria late one night in Salzburg, hanging out over a weekend. Awesome time. Uh, I would say mine. I would say the – I don't remember which one, but one of the beers I had at Oktoberfest was just – they were just incredible. Yeah. So much so that I, think, I believe I've told the story before, but it's just so great. We went back to um, Austria that night because we were told to not be at Oktoberfest during the night because it's just insane and you can't find anywhere to stay. And it's just a horrible experience. So we came back and we went to, to a bar that night. And I remember drinking Stiegel and it tasted like crap beer. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I've peaked at 20. What just happened? <laughs> so – uh, I'm going to go to wine really, really quick because I want to start. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a snake turn Ooh. here. My favorite wine, couldn't tell you. My favorite wine right now is uh, Pinot Noir. I'm real into that. I, that or I always go back to an old vine zen, but real into uh, that, uh, real into Pinots right, right now. But my favorite wine ever, I do not remember what it was, but it was very expensive. Uh, the old chairman of my board out in Idaho, uh, Jim Schmelick, who I um, uh, who I horribly missed, just a wonderful guy. Uh, we we just were talking about the school. We were having a couple drinks, planning some stuff, and then we started to, to drink wine. And then we got to his wine cellar, and he goes, "Okay, okay, this is like this is like this is a good one." It's, it was a couple hundred dollars that bottle that like what it retailed for. So who knows how much it would cost if you got it at a. Um, a restaurant, but it was just, it was honestly the best wine that I've ever had. I remember like, this is it. This is great. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I, I think I have two wine stories that, that top it for me. One is, this is going to go to 1130 your time. <laughs> I, I, I think I have two <laughs> stories for this, for this, uh, one of three part question here. Two of My favorite going. wine is a ca- type of wine is a red Cabernet. Cabernet Sauvignon, right? So the first time, so basic. Uh, I, I was uh, the, so the, uh, the funniest wine story for me, and not really funny, but like a warm memory was in Austria. I'm, I'm going to keep going to this. Um, it was uh, it wasn't me. It was me, Jonathan Alexander, and uh, Bart Kennedy, and we sat on the edge uh, in front of the train station on one of the canals in Venice. And we had our feet draping over the edge, over mm. the water, and we took two Sprite bottles, and we cut them in half, and uh, put the cap on it, and that was our wine glass. So the four, there were four of us. I can't remember everyone who was there. So the four of us, we drank um, a bottle of the cheapest wine we could buy. That was a Cabernet, the cheapest one we could get, and we filled our Sprite cups with it and drank. So that was just like a fun memory. Oh. Uh, the other one was awesome. actually um, a gift uh, from my first 
class for adult confirmation that I taught at St. Anthony's. And uh, I used to do for these classes, we had about 15 people and their spouses or sponsors would come. So we'd have 30 to 45 people every week. It was just crazy. And uh, I invited them all to come to my house for a potluck and a, and a teaching. And it was this crazy moment. It was a, it, I, I've done this several times. I don't do it now because our classes are too big. But um, we had about 65 people over. Everyone came in. People brought wine and all of this stuff. This one guy brought, brought a bottle of the Federalist wine. It had a picture of Ben Franklin on it. And uh, after this huge party, they all left. And then me and my wife just sat down and drank it. And it was like one of the best tasting wines for that moment that I, that I can remember. It was just perfect. Mm, yeah. One of the great things about wine, I, I truly believe this, it, it, it kind of can just take on wherever you are. Like, yes. It, it, it's that one drink that there's just – there's a lot there that's going on. There's a, there's, you typically have at least a couple of layers regardless of almost even the quality of it for the most part unless it's like crap, yeah. almost like crap vinegar. But uh, it, it just – and like one thing can kind of hit and just like match where you are. It just – yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's totally it great. It pairs with a lot. Okay. So think uh, mixed drink or liquor or whatever. So I would say probably – this, this one's actually pretty tough. Um, my favorite, okay. So my favorite one, it would ha- have to be Pappy Van Winkle, uh, which I wasted probably about a glass, uh, a glass or so worth in our early podcast when I had it. Cause I would like pour a bit, drink half of it and then, or like three quarters of it. Then I would forget about it and just go to bed. And that would retail for about $120 or so <laughs> that glass. So, um, but also any, uh, old fat, I just, I love a good old fashioned, anything that's made by, uh, by my brother, Johnny. Uh, yeah. So typically I like an old fashioned, uh, but you yeah. know, yeah. So my, well, too- my, f- <laughs> my, my favorite go to all the time drink now of mixed drinks. Cause I don't, I didn't start drinking mixed drinks until recently was my buddy's white Russians. I love white Russians. Oh Yeah. I remember when you were going through that phase. Just so you know, we have we took eight minutes to answer that, and there are. Hold on a second. This is being slow to load. Uh, Twenty three topics. So, well, that's not ten minutes. Do- well, I mean, if we do ten minutes, okay. So then, um, but I had a, I've had one old fashioned in my entire life. I talked about it before. Uh, this guy Peter um, Peter made it for me. Everyone says that he's like this legend at making old fashions. And it was incredible. He did the orange peel mm-hmm. burning thing, all the so stuff. So good. The special type of cherry, the single cherry in the middle, and all this. It was, and it was perfect. And then I'm going to say one more the bottle of whiskey I had with Father Fletcher and Brian when we recorded um, the three hour long liturgy episode. Oh, nice. We crushed almost an entire bottle. Top moments from the past year. Top moments from the past year. So I'm going to start with, so obviously, uh, not, not a banner year for your old boy, Luke. Um, <laughs> not, 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 not a banner year. We're just, just going to put that out there. Um, <laughs> so uh, t- truly, like, there were a couple, and I feel so bad because this is going to uh, leave out, like, a core part of this group, this guy, but he wasn't there for, the, for like, this moment. But it was the whole experience, and this was, was like, this was almost like a microcosm of that whole experience. So don't worry. I'm Ryan. This does involve you. Um, 
the middle part of my timeout in Notre Dame over the summer. It was the 4th of July, just the heaviness of everything that was going on. And I was just a good day with all my friends. And we were at Elizabeth's house and we had a bonfire in her, in her backyard. And we just didn't really get a chance to do this as a group a lot because uh, just school and um, and um, whatnot. We were just kind of a little bit more spread out this, this past time. But uh it was on the 4th of July, and I remember we heard a bunch of fireworks. We went to the front part of her house, and you could, and like, they were creating all this, like, quick lights and, and stuff. And we were just, I'm um, drinking, and we'd been drinking since, like, 2 o'clock. Uh, we did, like, a wine tasting. It was, it was awesome. And we were all just on, like, cloud nine. Like, Paul, uh, Paul was there, Dave and Marty and Elizabeth, obviously. And I just kind of, like, had this moment where I could, like, see the light on, like, everyone's on a face, and it would, like, change um, colors. Everyone's just, like, happy. And I was just like, thank you. I, like, I needed this so badly. And it was um, just a wonderful, uh, just, like, the gift of friendship and the gift of community. Uh, that was truly just a really great experience. So I'm very, uh, that was a top moment of, of the year for me. And then also just, um, there have been these kind of like just I don't know how else to really explain this, but just pockets of experiences or time where I've just felt profoundly loved by all my family, particularly my uh, my own mom and my sisters and all of like their spouses and by um, you and by Kevin Hyder and just like a lot of other other people as well that I've just felt really loved. And so I'm very um, uh, those are some top uh, moments as well. Man. Man, I'm trying to think here of, uh, of my – this is like a year-in-review thing, and I'm just so unprepared. Uh, the car I, ride back from, from the airport with your boy Luke? That was fun. That was <laughs> that fun. Was, Not going to lie. That, that, that was, was fun. Yeah, that was fun. <sighs> 20 minutes like serious talk followed by dick jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, as it was in the beginning is that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, I think – okay, just running through the year in my head um, – my son Noah play, and Thomas playing football uh, in the in January of last year, the January February with a local rec league, um, and my son Noah like truly coming out of his shell as a as an athlete and just uh, you know he was a young him and Tom Thomas was the youngest on his team he was Noah was in the middle but he just crushed it and it was so good and um, to see like the light switch on for him and to see his sisters cheer for him uh, and Thomas and to see Thomas I mean like Noah was the number one number two touchdown score number one tackler right and uh and Thomas my aloof you know staring in the clouds Thomas he uh was the number three he had the number three most tackles and every time he tackle someone will flag football tackle every time he pull a flag he was like surprised and he'd be like here <laughs> it was so That's funny. Awesome. It was, those were such great memories. And then, um, then they all did YMCA soccer this uh, fall. And um, Noah was the youngest on Cecilia's team. And Cecilia wanted him to be on there. And everyone kept calling him twins because Noah's like sprouted up. And they're the same size. And uh, even though she's two years older than him. And she, you know, it's really hard when you have a kid who struggles with like just crushing anxiety and depression and stuff but it's amazing when you see them break out of that and you know have friends and go outside of their their ultra shyness i mean like their shyness and then their shyness and um and to see all that stuff it's really cool um so nice. those are good awesome. and then and then kateri's basketball team uh it was fun seeing her as the tall girl because she's the 
she sprouted early. Uh, and uh, to see her play basketball, was, it was just a hoot and a half. Buying this house, that happened this year in April. Uh, it did. Holy it week. did. Yeah, Holy Thursday. I think I got the keys. And so this house has been a pain in my ass, but also like a super huge blessing. I still kind of hate the inside of the house, but I love the backyard, so that's all that matters. You'll get there. Yeah. There's just things like that. This this liturgy lecture series that I went to, it's like meant the world to me because I, I, I can't explain it, but it was just the right thing at the right time, you know? Yeah. that's When you have that, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And tomorrow morning. Okay. So this year, God, this year is such a blur. Noah made his first communion. Awesome. But also this year, uh, or tomorrow morning at 8.30 a.m., Thomas is receiving uh, his first reconciliation. So it's been cool. Oh, nice. Good old Father David. This is my favorite uh, question on here. This comes from uh, this comes from the old Darby. Have you been doing your skincare? <laughs> so I need to explain this. <laughs> Catching Foxes has a Discord, and if you sign up on Patreon or right now at patreon.com slash CF, you can get access to the Discord. And we did a live um, thing. I did t- – was this – I think I did a YouTube I – don't, I don't remember when. But anyways, I did one live thing where I actually had I'm a, had I'm a Father um, Father Anthony from Clearly Speaking On. That was very fun on the Discord. Then I did another thing on YouTube, and I said, hey, I've actually, like, created this, this – um, uh, I, I decided to try to take better care of my skin because I'm starting to get old. I want to make sure that I don't look weird uh, or any more weird than, than I already do. And so I've, I said I kind of have the skincare of routine now. And Darby just goes, oh, my gosh, I have this whole thing for you. And so she types this, like, 14-point thing that I was like, <laughs> what? Like, she sent me this huge message in the Discord of, like, all of, like, how I can take care of my skin and how, like, I can be old and have great skin if I do this. And I was just like. This is so much work, but I think I'm, go- I'm going to do it. So, uh, <laughs> Darby, to answer your question, no, but at some point in time, I'll do it for about three days or so, and I'll haphazardly do it f- for the rest of my life. <laughs> so, I'm definitely going to give it a, a, a try. Uh, this comes from Nat. One Catholic thing people are super into that you've just never understood. Alternatively, your favorite day of the week, which for no discernible reason, was the first question that popped into my mind. That's awesome. <laughs> well, it's a, what's a Catholic thing that everyone else is into that I'm not? That, yeah. Oh, that's funny. So this is, this is going to be funny. In general, novenas. <laughs> novenas, I just, I just cannot get into. Nine days of prayer? No, thank you. Exodus ninety, sure, ninety days. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I that that is my my wife even subscribes to PrayMoreNovenas.com, and yeah, she loves that stuff. And I just, I know the people who made that. I actually oh the high school. The, so the guy who um uh, the guy who made that he was he's um, he's from Oakwood. Nice. And so we hung out with them. And then I, I um two of his brothers his the, he he has twin brothers that like I went to high school with. They're they're great guys. Sorry. Anyways, go on. It's just a weird small Catholic world. Yeah. No, that is, that is funny. But no, I think that's it. That's like the thing. I don't know. I'd say dressing up for mass. Just I'm just like, oh, screw you, <laughs> Lord. <laughs> <laughs> it's just my like. Come on, can we just? Is this is really necessary. <laughs> oh gosh, that is so funny. Alternatively, uh, your favorite day. I mean, I, I liked dressing up for mass. I get it. I just like 
you know. <laughs> you don't want to put in the effort for our Lord. No, not on a Sunday morning. No, I do not. <laughs> I'm, I'm going. That's, in, that's a feat in and of itself. <laughs> what was our well, other question? Uh, what's your favorite day of the week, which for no other dis- discernible reason was the first question that popped into her mind. Favorite day of the week. Uh, I'm going to give you a very un- Catholic answer that's going to make me feel really bad, but I'll just be honest. Friday. Well, because you get Friday to give up meat. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, Friday, I, like Friday I think is supposed great. To be a day of like a day of uh, fasting, but I don't give up meat and I don't fast on Fridays. I feel uh. bad. But I love Friday night. No, I some I I try to be aware of it. Friday night is fun because you don't have to be uh, you don't have to be in anyone's care on Saturday morning. You don't have to be anywhere. I, Father Mike Schmidt exactly. said that a long time ago in a YouTube video where he said. Uh, why do you stay up late? And he said, the reason why you stay up late is because, like, that's your own time. And the moment you go to bed, it's essentially already tomorrow and you have to be on someone else's time. Mm-hmm. And that is totally it for me. So the day – when I have a vacation day the next day, I'm up at uh, – this, this whole week I've been up till 1 a.m. I'm like, I don't want it, I don't want it to go away. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. Um, so I, I get the Friday thing totally. But I think And I want to be is, clear. Like, I like to – oh, sorry. No, go, go, go. I will – I'll do my cleanup after you are done. <laughs> I think mine is uh, Mondays for one reason. I never take meetings on Mondays, uh, especially not Monday afternoon. So when I get into work, and I like work. I mean, I like the people I work with and all that stuff. When I get into work on Monday mornings, it's a slow ramp up that involves morning prayer, dedicating my work, and then it involves reading something that I need to read for um, either reading something that I need to read for what I'm doing that week or for writing something that I haven't been able to write. And it just enables me to get that kind of bigger, clear thinking, a little bit of deep work. I look forward to it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, um, I like actually do try to fast on Fridays. I try to think of something. Sometimes I'll be honest. Sometimes I just, your boy does forget. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll be very. I'm just, just gonna let's call a spade a spade. I'll be like, I'll be like crap. I forgot to do anything. Um, but I um, I just love Friday nights so much. Uh, I love drinking on Friday nights the best. Um, I and I understand why people dress up for mass. And I, there's oh, probably Luke. like once so many it. disclaimers. I know, but I just feel like people are like, no, Luke, you suck. I'm like, no, you don't get. I just don't like being told what to do. You really don't. I really don't. And ever since that, like, a Francis kid, it was viewed as, like, well, you really should. I was like, fuck you. And so I just, like, never did it. <laughs> I'll gladly wear jeans just to piss you off, mm-hmm. which is not very Catholic of me. How, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to call this how frank of me every time that I just decide to not go along with what's really expected by my superiors. <laughs> Can I do that from here on out? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Does your does your respective significant others have um, a similar taste in music? AKA, what do you do if your if your if your significant other has terrible music taste? Mm. My wife has terrible music taste. So what we do is, my wife gets to listen to whatever she wants, and I get to listen to whatever I want. Whenever we are separate, and whenever we're together, uh, we negotiate. <laughs> I mean, I, I let her listen to whatever she wants. We really actually don't listen. I'm trying to think. When we're with the kids in the van and our phones are synced to the you know the radio, 
and you have access to 40 million songs and all they want to hear is the same like eight stupid songs over and over again uh we usually let the kids go and then we everyone takes a turn and me and shannon will take a turn so i don't really care but um we don't play a lot of music in the house we are not luke's we are not luke uh we do not we do not have an obsession with music as a soundtrack that, to our lives i play audiobooks incessantly yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's still noise. It's just a different kind of noise. Yeah, but I can't play. Oh, that's a really good point. I can't play audiobooks around my wife. She hates podcast audiobooks. Like if I'm in the bathroom playing it and getting my shower or something, that's one thing. But like yeah. I can't just play it in the house. I have to be but in the baby, garage. This or... is how, this is how we make our money. <laughs> I don't care. This is how we do our thing. And she likes terrible music. She here. here I feel like I'm a, I feel like. A lot of the music that she would like, I would like it too. She is a very pop type person, yeah. but she hates all like like contemporary stuff out there. So, you know, I think like Kelly Clarkson is as new as she gets. I don't know. That's I don't know. You could do worse. Yeah. So I'm look. This is from Zach. I'm looking back on this year. Are there any words or themes? Do they line up with what you anticipated going into 2022? Then words or themes for each other of looking toward 2023 and for a celebrity or other public figure. <laughs> Throwback to that time. I think Luke told Taylor Swift to go on a dating fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So word or theme about 2022 looking back that would like summarize it. Is that the first part? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I would say for me, uh, this is a good. This is buckle um, up. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Could have gone without that. <laughs> no, I did not anticipate with what I thought going into twenty twenty two with the slightest. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I will say, like, uh, no, but and and all like and um, all sincerity, uh, it's just a conversion. Like just real, real conversion, and uh, that I think I would have if you had told me that I, that was what twenty twenty two was going to be like. I'd have been like, great. Uh, if you told me what it was going to be like, I'd have been like, oh no, no, not <laughs> but, at all. Go away. No. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, how about you? How about you for those first two? Looking back on this year, any themes? Does it line up with what you anticipated? Ah, uh, twenty two. Let us call it rebuild. And I realize that rebuilding sucks more than starting something new because when there's when it's new, it's exciting, a little dangerous, a little edgy. But when you're rebuilding, people are just pissed that you haven't fixed everything already. And yeah. I remember how it used to be, and that's not how it happened back when I was a youth minister, things like that. And so professionally, 2022 has been... Uh, pretty exhausting on that account because every ministry that I oversee, I don't know if you know this, but I have several employees. Uh, every ministry that I oversee <laughs> has has had to do a lot of rebuilding, and it's been gross. But coming into it, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think it would be this rough. I think um, I thought it would be easier because it's like, hey, we're going from. You know, like children's faith formation, textbooks that are that are okay, you know, okay Catholic to things that are very Catholic and easy to teach. And if we have another COVID plague and wave and blah, 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 it's very easy for parents to teach this at home. And we're going to send books at home and blah, blah, blah. But it just everything ended up just being a slog. And so um, – and we got more people 
I, I think this this has caused us to play catch up. We have more people than we've ever had previously to COVID-19 that what I'm responsible for, even though mass attendance is still way down. And uh, it's because other churches aren't doing anything or very, doing very little in our area. So like marriage prep, I mean, we routinely have people like, no, I want to get married at my own parish. I want to do my marriage prep at my own parish, but they said that they're not going to take us. So we're doing it, and it's just it's making our programs terrible because it's you know you're designed when you're designed for twenty couples and you have a hundred and fifty, like that sucks. It's not it's not going to be good when yeah. you have first communions and you have three hundred twenty five kids, but you're you know you can it's only fun for about one hundred and fifty kids. You know it, it, it kind of ruins it. So I think this rebuild year has has shocked me in a lot of really painful ways. That's interesting. Yeah, it actually. Um... That makes a lot of sense because when you're like typically, especially when you're like rebuilding a thing and it's not, um, you know, where you're going to get to is going to be is going to be nice. But when you're dealing with a, like a behemoth of a church like like you have, or let's just even say like uh, like anything like the Catholic Church from an institutional standpoint, I mean, it's it is the church at times like. Well, I think in terms of centuries, and, and at times even act like the, you know that. So it's kind of it can be really, really hard to try to change a thing that um, that much structure, that much culture, that much tradition with a small t. Yeah, uh, that's that's really, really difficult. So, yeah. uh, anything for twenty twenty three, or uh, then what would we tell a um, a celebrity? Okay, I think this twenty twenty three. Um, you said your 2022 was conversion. Is that the word that you used? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's a really good one. I, I need to think of something along those lines. I'm going to say, I'm going to say change, but I want to say jump ship. I'm going to say change. I think 2023, I'm going to have some massive changes in my life. Um, I think, uh, I, I, I'm not in a place of desolation, you know, I'm, I'm in a good place. Professionally, personally, relationally with, um, you know, Shannon and the kids, I think things are going well. We have a rhythm now, like, that is really, really good with our new house and and whatnot. But I think there are going to be some even more changes. Um, Yeah, and I'm nervous about them. Yeah, I'd say for me, 2023, um, you know, is uh, just a period of, like, uh, I don't know if um, vigilance is the right word I'm really going for here, but something uh, just a constant like turning towards towards God. Um, and I, I mean a little bit of like a, in a different sense of like a conversion yeah. in the sense of like where like my heart is being changed. I mean uh, the sense almost like a, you know, steadfastness of like just clinging to the Lord. And anytime there's a temptation to like, you know, turn my like turn my face away to focus on my own um suffering. But to use that as a chance for uh, just continually to keep my eyes on on God and um, and just so I, that's kind of I, I don't know so I, don't, I like that I don't constant I'll go with like yeah yeah, yeah. so um, I don't know what's going on with any celebrities besides the soccer players <laughs> so for I want Gio Reyna to uh, pray the litany of humility I think that'd be very helpful for him and uh, yeah. We'll just go from there. What about you? I don't know. I think I here, here's one. Here's one. I want Elon Musk to go on like take an eight day, you know, <laughs> just, eight day silent retreat. I, I think you want 
Elon Musk to, to take an eight day followed by like ten months of like, you know, hey, just don't say anything. I think he's got <laughs> so uh, everyone who has celebrity status and money to boot, so they can't be shut down. Have entered into this game where they love trolling the trolls and pissing people off. Like they love that, and I think it. Um, I think it undercuts the things that Elon Musk could have done with Twitter. And I think he's shot himself in the foot some with his own stuff. Just like I think, like like someone like Donald Trump, like it's like they are their own worst enemy in the things that the the blustering and the and the ego plays, and it's like, just just go on a 30-day silent retreat. Yeah, but not an eight-day. A 30-day is definitely needed. But there's this element of, like, look at all the – I'm the richest man in the world. Look at all the stuff I've done. I obviously know what should be done elsewhere. And it's like, I eh. made PayPal. Yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah. But you, you sit there and you think about it, and you're just like, no, I think I – think, um, I mean, I think there's a lot of people – who could use an eight day? But it just—I just think that'd be or a, a silent retreat. I think that'd be helpful, honestly. Well, I think with with Elon Musk too, like some of the stuff, it's it's kind of weird because there's this is one of the things I just hate about our, our uh, modern times. There's what you're doing, and there's what you want everyone to see what you yeah. are doing. And one of the things that Elon Musk was doing was basically creating a crisis to change a, to change a culture. Not necessarily a bad idea. Problem is when you're like telling everyone about it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like saying all these things, these outlandish things that may or may not have been happening beef, before. And there are other, and, and so it's not necessarily what he was doing that I actually, in terms of at Twitter per se, that he was doing that I had a problem with. It was more like how he was doing it, and then you, and then eventually it just became the what. And it's like, well, okay, like was this all necessary? Yeah, yeah. Like, must everyone who decides to be famous and become somewhat conservative or voice their going? conservative just go nuts very 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 quickly that's the thing is i think they just everyone is so sick and tired of being on the defensive that they think the best way to be on the offensive is to be a troll and it's not it's not it gets you applause on your side it does not get you converts it does not get you souls and i always think about this because i have these tendencies that i did when i was on twitter of like the new atheists on Twitter are just arrogant assholes who blast Christians. And mm-hmm. whenever they do something that is like so blatantly stupid, I, I just could not help myself but try to humiliate and put them in their place and all that stuff. And it's like, okay, you know, I'm I'm doing the I'm becoming the enemy, right? So I got mm-hmm. not loving my enemy. So anywho, it, that temptation is very strong in the heart of every person who who is actually trying to. Uh, challenge the status quo or, or the culture and where it's headed, and and you end up, you know, becoming old men yelling at clouds. So, what's the next one? Um, do you want to? St- we have a lot more. <laughs> All right, marathon. <laughs> okay, are you ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. Here we go. Uh, last Coen Brothers Allen movie was the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, confusing and 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 hilarious as it was. I agree. The more you go back to it. Um, look better it is what's your prediction on what they will do um, next might be tough to pull off another on western because they've already done both ends of the spectrum so one of the coen brothers i forget which one has actually decided that he was just kind of done directing and producing i think he wants to write films so they actually the other brother just released one 
he did the I haven't seen it yet. It uh, is Macbeth. It was all in black and white. Oh, came I saw out that last year. I heard it was good. It's with Denzel Washington. Yeah, I saw that. I saw it the day it came out. You got me so excited about it. Me and my wife, we had a date night on the couch and we Ooh. watched it. She hated every minute of it, and I uh, thought it was fascinating. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing about that. Like, I could see Shannon not like that. Yeah. I think that's one of theirs. One for me thing. Yeah, and those typically are the ones that you got to go back to over. And like, the more I think about Hail Caesar, the more I'm like, oh, I got to go back and watch that. I got. I just that they're so good. Uh, I'm going to skip this one. It's just about um, um, Messi and penalty kicks, but I like the effort. So thank you very, very much, Michael. Uh, this is from Ben. Why are the Eastern churches right when it comes to uh, Christ, like chrismating? And chrismating. Chrism- I've never heard that before. It's the word for chrism, chrism oil. It's Th- their word for confirmation. Okay. Okay. And communing infants. Why are they right? Yes. Uh, well, okay, so for those of you who don't know, whenever a Roman Catholic is brought into the Catholic Church from an unbaptized state, in the Easter Vigil Mass, typically they are baptized, confirmed, and given First Holy Communion. Um, you are not considered a fully initiated Catholic until you've received all three sacraments. In the Roman Catholic Church, for normal Catholics, they, infants are baptized, but they're not chrismated. That is, they don't receive confirmation. Um, nor First Holy Communion. Instead, the next sacrament that they receive is reconciliation, followed by First Holy Communion, followed by confirmation. Usually confirmation is, in most places, later. Uh, it can be anywhere from fourth grade to, to high school. In my diocese, it's sophomore year of high school. In the Eastern churches, you are baptized, chrismated, and receive your First Holy Communion as an infant. Um, now I think, uh, do, what do I think about that practice? I think honestly that that practice is probably, as far as I can tell, it's the more ancient, um, it belongs to when the bishops did almost all of the baptizing. Um, and so the bishops had the easy authority to just do the chrismation and, and communion, um, communion in the Roman Catholic church. We wanted to keep the practice of confirmation connected to the office of the Bishop. So it became a once a year thing. And so that's why it got so far separated from baptism. So there's a movement called restored order to bring confirmation back in line with communion, but it's usually around first Holy communion time. So all of my kids, if we do the ordinary way, all of my kids will receive their confirmation next year, regardless of the fact that Thomas just received his first Holy communion. Um, Lord willing. So, uh, so that's the idea, right? So what do I think is right? Quote unquote. Well, uh, R I T E right. I think, I think it belongs to the, the tradition of that, of that church. But I, I tend into the direction of the East. I tend to believe that you should chrismate and, you know, confirm and give first Holy communion, fracture the host and place it in the infant's mouth. Um, and then they become regular communicants. So did you ever hear that? Did you ever know that? No, but I've seen kids who are I'm younger than than I'm seven go and receive communion. Yeah. And where? In the Eastern Church? Yeah, well well or at a, a Roman church because they are Byzantine. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I, I, I like this um question here. A canonized saint that springs to mind when you think of your beloved co host. A canonized saint that mm-hmm. springs to mind. You guys presume that we know a lot about saints by asking this. <laughs> Who is a, a contrarian 
a surly contrarian who loves the Lord, hates authority, tooth and nail. The answer is clearly St. Peter. <laughs> For you? No. I don't know. Hmm. St. Peter seems to just kind of be very just reactive and impulsive. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. No, I'm just kidding. That's so funny, though, that you would say that, St. Peter. Yeah, I, I need to find a surly saint. Like, you're a surly saint. Like, you're a, you're a little, uh, you're a contrarian. Who's a contrarian? You're, you're, you're a bit much, Luke. I wouldn't say you're a bit much. I'd say you're a contrarian. Like, just what we no, said earlier, where someone's like, get dressed. Nah, I got to wear jeans just to say F you. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to pull a Frank. That's my new favorite thing. Oh, the catching fox is hello. Pulling a Frank. <laughs> Pulling a Frank. We'll piss them all off. I I I would say I'm going to do a little bit about because I I saw I I somewhat cheated and I saw these earlier and I thought about this one for you. I actually think you're a mix of two, which is and, and the two I'm going to pick are very interesting. I'm going to go with Saint Bernard of Clairvaux and Saint Thomas Aquinas. Okay, I think you're just a good like Saint Bernard of Clairvaux. If I'm pronouncing his name right, which you I are. doubt I am. Uh, just a real heart for God, like a real heart for like that kind of just like zest for the, for the Lord. And then you have uh, then you um, have Aquinas with, with all of his like deep um, love of philosophy and all of, and you know his his uh, intellectualization of um, of the faith in a good way. And I feel like you're really just kind of good mix of those two things. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, so my, the first thing that popped into my head for you, and then I was like, nah, maybe I'm pushing it too hard trying to think of something. But it was St. Philip Neri, who was known as the Laughing Saint and was actually quite the practical jokester. But people, priests in Rome, he is also known as the Apostle to Rome, who converted it a second time because of all the debauchery going on in Rome. I think uh, I think you, you're you're kind of that person. You're the person who flips tables and uh, chases out money changers, but but with your words, not necessarily a whip of cords. It's true. It's true. Yeah, it's true. And you're funny Actually, while you do it. <laughs> and I'm very moody. Um, <laughs> what are the holiday traditions that need to go away? What are some new ones you're trying to start uh thinking that advent is 24 days of christmas from december 1 to december 24 that kills yeah, me <laughs> i i actually agree i was gonna say that too really i, I yeah. i'm not necessarily opposed to getting in the christmas spirit yeah i just wish there was a way we could make it more um preparing for christmas than just getting in yeah like just like christmas light yeah yeah, and the, I don't know the secular advent do calendar of 24 days, like, no, just follow the four weeks. Like, why do you have to do this, like, advent uh, Advent starts on December 1 and ends on December 24th? Like, stop doing that. All the secular advent calendars, that's what they are. And they call them advent calendars. It's like, no one celebrates advent this way. None of the Christian groups do. So, um, I, yeah, that stuff bothers me. You know, like, I am not one of those, like... The traditional Catholics who loses their minds when people say Merry Christmas during Advent, <laughs> they exist. But uh, I don't I don't think uh, it's a bit much. But, um, yeah, like, it is so hard to get Christmas in Christmas. So the things that we do as a family, um, we do this Advent prayer book where we read an antiphon. My wife does this. She reads one of the antiphons. Right, right now we're in the O antiphon time. 
she reads the antiphons and there's like this little advent prayer book that does that for your family and it like explains with scripture and you know a little explainer thing um what that day in advent is meant to kind of symbolize and then um when we have dinner we light each you know i have four kids so we light the four candles of the advent wreath they each get a candle and we sing O come O come emmanuel with all the lights off and they light it so that's cool and um do that right into dinner it's my favorite thing nice yeah i sing yeah. it's it's pretty horrific but it happens i would like to just see more um like the octave of christmas like just yeah like just be more killer yeah i just feel like like even within the church not even the church but like even amongst catholics you just you know we're just kind of done on on the 26th yep and i just i don't know because the culture just it's kind of, you know, you got like a day or two of kind of like a hangover pretty much. But then it's like, you know, on to New Year's, on to New Year's Eve and then we're done. I, I just would like to, I think it, I, I think it's totally fine to like, I mean, obviously it's been this way for a long time, but um, ha- have up New Year's Eve be part of the Christmas octave on that kind of idea of like now during this period we celebrate the coming of the new calendar year. That's great. Like I just, um, I wish somehow, I don't know how to do that. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. But I would love to find a way to make that happen because I think that is I, um, one thing that I am, um, uh, kind of doing that I'm going to try to find ways to do, um, do more of is not really decorate the tree till whatever you call it, the third uh, Sunday of Advent. Gaudete. Uh, yeah. I like the idea of like having it up and maybe there's a bit of a slow build, but, um, I don't know. I think like perhaps like kind of ending your Christmas decorating at that point in time is pretty cool. Yeah. So. Or, like, that's when it kind of, like, all is going hard. So, um, all right. The next one. Um, oh, Gomer, do you have any thoughts on, this is from Craig as well, Expedient torn, uh I cannot think, or it's late, Expedientary Force Failure Mode? Oh, so good. What the oh, hell? so good. It was so good. Expeditionary you, Force. Expeditionary. What the hell is wrong? Yeah, because you want to you want to read it as ex, uh, Expedia. Expeditionary Force Failure Mode. So like, this what? is the book series that I got um, uh, Deacon uh, Bob you have Rice 30 on. seconds. I got Bob Rice on. This is the, the beer can. The, so it's like what happens when aliens attack and we, we find out there's a galaxy-wide war and we join the wrong side. The best book ever. Expo- <laughs> oh, I've always wanted to know what happens when that happens. So, no, but that, <laughs> that's a question everyone's been asking. So that was book one called Columbus Day. What happens when it's like Columbus for us, what, what it was for the Indians? Like, oh, dear Lord, this technologically advanced species showed up and is asking us to help fight the, in their war. And it turns out they're space Nazis. Oh, shit. And then so we have to switch sides. But it's this crazy story, but it's hysterical. And uh, it culminates in that book, Failure Game. And... Um, that is, it's just a joy to get the audiobook. So I would tell people not to get that book, to actually get Columbus Day. If you're looking for an exciting science fiction book that is also hysterical, um, that's, the, that's the book series to start. But uh, Luke, I've had three books come out. A failure Game came out. Uh, the book, um, the Forgotten Ruin series about the Dungeons and Dragons slash J.R. Tolkien stuff of the U.S. Rangers <laughs> meets Dungeons and Dragons. That last se- book came out, which is not the last in the series, but um, and then the last in the series of my favorite, the um, Galaxy's Edge books uh, just came out, KTF Part Two, and I have read them all twice. It is beautiful. Cool. No, actually, I, that, that does sound kind of interesting. The uh... Um, the first one that you talked about. So I will check that oh, out. Oh, so good. 
Other than rest up now before the baby comes, what is your best advice for a new dad? Oh, that's a that's a good one. Um, number one, happiest baby on the block. The five S's. Learn them. Do them. Uh, number two, the uh, what are the five S's again? I forget. Uh, suck, swaddle, shake, shush, and sh- and oh gosh. Shake, shush, and something else. Ah. I remember happy people in the block. Yeah, I don't know. So you, you, you swaddle them. You wrap their arms really tight. You gently, you shimmy them. Shake is not a good word for a baby. You yeah. shimmy them. You shush really loudly in their ear. Shimmy, shimmy, shimmy. Exactly. Shh, really loudly in their ear. It's uh, a white noise machine. Yeah, white noise all about it. And then um, yeah. suck. So they always want to suck on something. They're always sucking their thumb in the mom's womb. Uh, and I can't remember what the at last S is. Uh, it's it's driving me crazy. But um, but yeah, those those were super helpful for all four of my kids. And I would have people be like, "What the hell are you doing?" Because I would shush them right in their ear, and then the kids would be like, smiling and stuff. So, but that's only when they're a newborn. Um, the other thing is just you have to get into a rhythm of of helping your wife. Like you have to get into mm-hmm. that rhythm. I recommend you getting a co sleeper that attaches to the bed. It's not in the bed. So that you can always, if your wife breastfeeds, that she can just grab the baby nurse and roll the baby back. So I agree. you're not going to yeah. roll over the baby. I almost did that. Yeah, things like Jeez. that. The last thing I uh, wanted is to be the dad who rolled over his baby while they slept. But I'm a pretty sound sleeper. Structure, structure, structure. Yeah. It's it's hard. It's hard when you just, and I think finding, uh, like, um, do not wait. Like, on, if, if I could, like, change anything. I would just get everything I could done before the six month. Like, just do. Ev- I would try to get everything possible done before the six month. Uh, go watch your. Uh, go to your baptism class before the baby's born. If the baby's not born yet, yeah. Because uh, I do yeah, all that. There's t- there's too much that we put off to like month. Now, granted, it was COVID. It was yeah. weird. Yeah, you had a weird. There was just a lot of emotional baggage with that. But like putting things off to like month, almost seventh. Um, seventh or eighth month was just I felt like the second the first trimester was tough the second one was okay the third was real was just not the best and I think um, I know everyone is different but if I could say anything to pass Luke it's one you're fucking great uh, two is um, just get everything done before the sixth month like get the crib made get all the stuff done get it bought get, get this room painted just get it done yeah do the nesting uh, what's your favorite karaoke song to sing in front of people? It is Your Love by The Outfield. That That is number one. I always start with that. And then oh, number two is Oh, Sherry by Steve Perry. Um, tempted to add oh, Michael Bolton to that um, to that list. Uh, How Can We Be Lovers? But we'll see. You? Wonderwall. Or your favorite song to sing Wonderwall. in the shower? Ooh, favorite song to sing in the shower? Karaoke is my favorite. Wonderwall is my favorite karaoke. Song in the shower. I don't know. What's yours? It's, song in the shower for me really just depends upon like what. Demi Lovato. We all know that. Before. We have a t-shirt about it. <laughs> it's true. Uh, why hasn't Gilmore looked at the email I sent him like a month ago? Oh, but no. I'm um, seriously. Where is my where is my McCarrick sticker? Listen, we had great great intentions. All right, fine. Who was that from? Uh, this is from this is from um, uh, Rebecca. Uh, this is great. Uh, she runs. It's one who runs the um Discord. She's awesome. 
How do you keep going with your spiritual life when your mental health or your um, physical health are in the garbage? Um, really good question. Here is what I would recommend. I think if you're seriously dealing with some like real uh, mental health stuff or some like um, physical health things, I, I'm not saying that you should like be less spiritual or practice or like dial it back, but really lower the bar for what's the minimum for you. Because I don't know, and I could be totally wrong. I would be curious to get someone like a Dr. Greg, um, what's his name from um 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 SOS, who does a lot of stuff. Greg Bataro. His thoughts on this, yeah, yeah. His um, thoughts on this, but I, I would recommend just kind of going through my own stuff this past year. That like I had a point where I was like, I cannot expect myself to do what I was doing before. I do not have the ability or the energy to do this right right now. And there are pros and cons to that, but when it worked, it was really good. And so for me, it was like, okay, a half hour prayer. I, I don't, I just, how? Um, I can do five minutes. I can do that right now. That for me, again, not, I don't mean to like lower the bar, but just trying to be like realistic about what I, I can actually commit to because I think the commitment to me is more important than the quality. It, it, if that makes sense, because I, and what I like, what I mean by that is, when you're going through this, particularly I think with mental health issues, it can be so hard to have quality prayer. It might there. I'm sure, again, I'm sure there are better ways. There are better people who have better um, thoughts on this. But I think there's some. There is something too when when everything else is just really bad, particularly when it comes to mental health. Just trying to show up. Yeah. Yeah, my advice for people going through mental health stuff, depression, anxiety are the are the big ones, but um, is to get a prayer book and go through the prayer book and just read it, right? Because you don't have energy to create stuff. You don't have the exactly. You don't have that, and so um, you know I have a prayer book that I use frequently that I love. It just has tons and tons and tons of prayers, prayers for mass. So. Here, here is here is an example of what you can do. Show up thirty minutes before mass, right? Instead of five minutes before or five minutes after mass starts, show up thirty minutes before and just sit with the prayer book and just read all of the prayers before mass, right? Prayers before communion, prayers before mass. Just read them all, right? You you can do that. You can do that. Um, even if you're not going to feel anything. In fact, half the time you'll read through the words and you'll be like, "What the heck did I just read?" Well, go back and reread it. Okay, there's no the, – I think we put impossible and weird pressures on ourselves, um, but I think Luke is right. Number one, when you're, when you're going through hell, um, staying consistent is the best thing you can do. Absolutely. 100% agree. When, you, when you're running out of intellectual energy, you know, creating uh, spontaneous, extemporaneous prayer is very, very difficult. And, uh, I was just talking with someone who has, who wasn't Catholic. And he just said, you know, learning to pray with this prayer book has changed the way I pray for the better. And he's like, cause sometimes I don't even know if I'm saying the right things. And it's like, okay, don't worry about it. A saint said this and other saintly theologically inclined people thought that this was worth enough to put in an official prayer book. So let's do it. Um, and I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was actually a study commissioned by the Episcopalian Church in like 20, and I was like 2005, 2006, something like that. And I encountered it through the Center for Parent Youth Understanding, which is a youth ministry um, institute. 
And the guy who founded it, he said, you know, I'm so happy to be an Episcopalian. And then he linked to the article. And the article was high school students who suffer from depression and anxiety benefit more – who are Christians benefit more from a liturgical background than a non-liturgical background. And it was like, what? And it's like because they have use, they have access to things like saint books and prayer books. So it's Catholic and Orthodox and Anglican and Episcopalian and Lutheran and Methodist. They all have access to, you know, whether you're talking about Charles Wesleyan's prayers or hymns or whatever. There's so much out there, whereas people who view any repetitious prayer as sinful, they don't have that. So you have to just speak from your heart. And a lot of people don't have the energy to do that. So I actually think that's kind of a problem. Um speaking from the heart too much, which is we made an entire career off of that. But um, <laughs> it is emotionally exhausting. It is. You need to be yeah. able to do both and not devalue both. Yeah. Or or even see the value, like, in, and particularly in, like, the not extemporaneous prayer stuff, like, the more just the reading. Like there are times when I um, – sometimes the uh, – the liturgy of the hours just kind of seem exhausting given like when the best time for me to do it is either early in, early in, in the morning or it is late at night. And both times I'm like, Ugh. Um, I would love to just do it like right in the middle of the day. <laughs> Probably would be best. But um, there's something about every time for the most part when I get started, I'm like, I, I love just being, being in this groove. And just I can just – there's something really, really beautiful when you're able to uh, trust the magisterium and the church to, to just guide your prayer. And by the – I mean, I don't even know if the, I, the church might be, be better work. I, I would even agree with you about like those Alma Saints books or just other things that you just like. You're not um, – Pentecost, being a, a people filled by the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that we are Pentecostal, where it's just everything is just, just on a whim. And it just – adds. and I mean – and some people are more – like some people's their personalities are inclined to that, and that's fine. But some actually aren't. I think it's important to keep in mind. Um, how's the ADHD going? Not bad. I've been <coughs> sorry. There's a ton of different um, strategies and stuff that I've been uh, I'm, I'm looking at. It's been very helpful. Certain things are are a challenge. Well, certain things have become easier. Gormley, how about you? Um, I I. Uh... The two biggest struggles that I have are procrastination about high anxiety things, and that's not that's not good. And then I have been losing focus um, on things. I just found myself more scatterbrained lately. But yeah, other than that, it's fine. I found uh, some real benefit, and uh, it was actually I have this app called Inflow that I uh, paid for, a little bit pricey, but it's definitely been worth it. And I was doing kind of this like oh, mini course thing, which it's it's not bad. And I talked about when it comes to that, because I, I can have that as well, about being okay with 80%. Mm. Like, if you can be okay, like, basically not um, letting – there's um, something about ADHD where sometimes in your brain you're going to be more chemically predisposed to being a perfectionist. So when something – you're terrified about how it, like how it's going to go, this isn't going to go well, it can really paralyze you. Yeah. And just choosing to be okay with, like, a B. Mm-hmm. And not letting the good become the um, the perfect become the enemy of the good, which is actually can be a real challenge. So that's been that's been very interesting. It will be a touchy um subject, but could you all do a bird eye view into this Father Provone or ordeal? Well, we have pulling a Frank now, so that should give you a good idea for where yeah. we are with it. Yeah, this is I don't know all the ins and outs, so let me just say this: number one, same. 
Um, Father Frank Pavone, if I were his bishop, I would have excommunicated him the day he put the fetal remains of an actual human being on an altar to do a, a more or less a political campaign ad for Donald Trump. I would have I would have stripped him of all of his faculties as a priest in that I, moment. Can I just add one thing really, yeah. really quick? It wasn't an altar, but it was made to look like one. Well, it wasn't? From what I read, Oh, thank God. Because I watched altar. the video, and I thought it was an, know, like same, way back when same, it happened. Same thing. Same. Because I... I but but I think that it is a scandal. Yeah, that is that horrific. It was made to look like one. So that being said, I don't know all the ins and outs, and I don't know all the ins and outs of his relationship with his bishop. I don't. Okay. I, I also the other caveat is I know that he has had that basically he is the head of priest for life, or he was for a long time, and he has such a huge following that that allows him to give himself permission to not be obedient. And there is a wonderful um, sermon that was given a couple days ago. Uh, Chris Miller sent it to me, and it was um, obedient to a pathetic bishop, uh, Father Mark Goring. And he gave a homily, and part of his homily was reflecting on, without naming names, priests who use the awfulness of their bishops as an excuse not to be obedient. And he said, okay, well, let's talk about St. Sis- uh, Sister Faustina who received the divine mercy revelations. Jesus told her to do something. She said, I'm going to do it. She went and told her superior. Superior said no. And Jesus said, good, be obedient to your superiors. And she's like, what? Well, I should not be obedient to you. And he's like, yes, but this is how you're obedient to me, by being obedient to your superiors, even when they don't agree with me. Like not sin. are heavy. Huh? That's that's yeah. I was just saying, like this is the keys. This is the part of the keys that we never talk about. Yeah. What happens when they're wielded by a shithead? And uh, <laughs> right. And it's true. And here's the thing: like all the priests know this. Like priests in the diocese, like yeah. they all yeah. gossip. They all you know shop top talk shop. They all you know they know like what their bishops are about. They know what other priests are about. You know they know who's more influential and who's least influential. They like they, it's not like any of this stuff is a surprise for people. Now that being said, my my one problem is it seems like a lot of the hammer falls on people who err on the conservative extremist side than on the liberal extremist extremist side, and I think that that's what constantly gives fuel to the fodder of. The you know conservative punditry like the LifeSite News folks. Um, I had an article sent to me. I didn't read it yet. So again, there's there's I know there's nuance about Father Frank Pavone and his complicated relationship. But the reality is, as a priest, you are not a you are only a priest functioning when you are incarnated, and a priest is incarnated at the at f- through his bishop. Mm-hmm. You are not allowed. You don't just have infinite faculties and that you can go anywhere and do anything. You're incarnated in a particular locale or through a religious order. That's why priests, if they go outside their diocese, have to like have get permission to say. Yeah, they have to get their bishop's permission to send it to the other bishop to you know all that stuff. And uh, and there are exceptions to be made, like when the priest is on vacation or when they're you know leading pilgrimage. But even then, Father David had to get permission um, from our bishop and all that stuff when he went to all these different pilgrimage site churches and whatnot. And a lot of times the permission is extended to the very minute. Like from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m., he's allowed to celebrate Mass in the gym. It's like, well, we move the Mass to the main church. And it's like, he doesn't have faculties to do that. Sorry. So it's crazy. It's interesting. But um, so if you are in opposition to your bishop and your bishop is where you are incarnated through or whom you're incarnated through, that 
creates a whole bunch of problems. So he was excommunicated by the Vatican. It's it's not like he's not excommunicated, or he was laicized, excuse me. It's not like that didn't happen. It did happen. And he says that, you know, the first time he heard about it is when some news reporter told him. And he's still calling himself Father Frank Pavone as of this recording. But um, there, there are a lot of problems with all of how all of this went down. And it just really sucks that the most articulate defender in the late 90s and early 2000s of the pro-life cause from the perspective of priests uh, has has lost his damn mind. And it's awful that if he feels like a witch hunt is out after him, I, I think that's equally awful. And just shows you the cowardness in the episcopate. Well, and I, I, I will say, having read very little about this, <laughs> again, uh, but um, the, the little I have, and from what I and from what I know, there are two things that kind of come to mind. One, when a person is stripped of their of their vocation, uh, it is in, in a way that, for lack of a better term, is just. This is how this works. If this does happen, so this is not, you know. Um, I just say out of the norm, but if this happens, this is how this happens. Um, same thing if, like, you have a marriage that you know is annulled, um, not a cause for celebration. People are hurt, people are wounded. This is a this is a, a this is a tragedy. Um, I don't know how you can see it as anything other than that, even if it's a just tragedy. Still, um, so we should not. I, there haven't been too many people who have gloated about this. I've seen a bit, and I just. Just oh, been very yeah. turned off by it, um, and then also, um, you know, obedient. Like to me, it doesn't necessarily come. Down, it does come down to like what he's done, but the conservative. I know this isn't what you are saying per like per se. I it just I I'm pretty big on obedience to your bishop, just because I've seen like I, it makes a lot of sense having worked for the church why that's there, and the keys and all that stuff and all these things about how like. Um, obedience is like such an un-American idea. If this is coming from a person who doesn't like to be obedient, so I right. totally understand my hypocrisy here. Okay, good. But it's uh, <laughs> it. There's a real like. Um, lots of saints have been called to be more to be more obedient. Yeah, and it's a really, really, really big deal. And so I, I just I, – I don't really like kind of go to the, well, why are the Father James Martin or whoever allowed to do uh, – to do like whatever. I know I get this necessarily what you are um, – are, I'm saying. I'm like, well, if their own bishop hasn't told them to stop, you know, and, and well, so I, I, I guess this is kind of like yeah. – I guess no, this, no, you're right. Point. You're right. This is also that – can I just add like yeah, one quick thing to this too? Um, and, and you're, you're fine. I, I just cause I, I, I want to get on the. I want to get like, your thoughts and, and, and the, on that with this added to it. It is the Vatican who has to do this, but it's the like, it's the bishop who's going to to, to like me the Vatican do this, and I could I could be wrong, but in my very unlimited experience of having to work for this bureaucratic monstrosity that is the Catholic Church, if the Vatican is just a lot of pushing paper. <sighs> And so how much of this is the Vatican really trying to bring the hammer down or how much is it it's his bishop who's trying to push for this and the Vatican is one where the paper finally gets pushed. Yeah. So is this actually the Vatican coming down or is just the Vatican the is are they just the normal means by which this would happen? Yeah, no, they are. I mean the bishop went. So this has been in process since I think 2019. Right. So this is it's not something that's being rushed. It's not something. So that that's the other part of the bureaucracy that kind of has it in its favor is that these things that could dicastery for clergy um, 
these things take time. So it's not like a rash decision was made and overnight appealed some clandestine whatever. Um, so that's why this is problematic. And your point is very valid, right? So Father James Martin is a religious order priest. He belongs to the Jesuits. And the Jesuits, um, whether they're um, in the U.S. Or, or in Europe or whatever, have they don't really have it is very easy for them not to be called on account, especially if they're very if they're celebrities, as we are seeing with that one case in in Rome. But the the problem is um, the level of the level of disobedience that happens. So Father Frank Pavone um, was disobedient. I think I think that's pretty clear from his history, and he he even left his own diocese. But the thing is, like, you, you're not a priest able to function unless you're incarnated into a diocese. You can't function publicly. And um, Priests for Life Incorporated is not a Catholic organization. And so he can – Mr. Pavone can continue running that organization because it's not a Catholic, which is crazy. Um, but he is not a priest anymore. He has been laicized. And for him to call himself Father Pavone and celebrate Mass or whatever – and for people to participate in that, you are participating in in non Eucharist, which is crazy. Um, so the so there's a lot of there's a lot of issues here, but over and over again, like I think of Padre Pio, right? Padre Pio he had a huge temper problem, and he he was kind of like your cranky jerk of an uncle. Uh, especially, what if I'm like Padre Pio? I mean, you could be, you could be. <laughs> yeah. You're less cranky though. You're more. Um, That's true. Irreverent, and uh, the <laughs> she was not. Yeah. So, but it's funny. But I mean, the interesting thing is, you know, the same sister Faustina and Padre Pio, they were both shut down and out of obedience. Listened, and it, it for Padre Pio's case, like I mean, the, for a lot of saints, the the people that persecute them the most are the church, and they shut them down. This is not a problem with obedience, or excuse me, this is not a problem with um, with like. I mean, this this is the de- – I don't know how to put it. The, Father Frank is uh, is sniffing his own supply here, right? And he's high in his own supply. And uh, he needs to knock this crap off and be reconciled to his bishop. But because he spent the last four or five years not doing that, um, yeah, he's a laicized man. He's laicized. He is not a priest. Well, and I think this is actually one of um, the I, – I don't know a lot about – um, any of the theology behind behind the keys? I I don't even know if there's even like a, a name for that. But I would be really kind of fascinated to read more about it because when I was doing ministry, we would discern a lot about like you know particularly doing stuff at the archdiocese archdiocese level. But even when we were doing stuff just amongst other parishes about like what what is the Holy Spirit calling us to and and I. I was talking with Burst about this one time. I just said, I think we really just need to ask first, like, what's the priority of our archbishop? Because if he's got the keys, like, and the, the church, like, it's, you know, that's whatever you said, I'm a loose on earth is like, I'm a loose on earth, which loose on heaven. that's kind of yeah. your basic part. But then there's the, like, I'm loose in heaven, yeah. you, you know, and it's like, so that means that, like, the Holy Spirit is going to respect the decision of the bishop because someone's got to make that choice. Mm-hmm. Like we have free will, so someone has to make the choice of here's what the priority is, here's what I think God could be calling us to, or here's what we're, we're, we're going to do, which then like God respects that. 
I, I mean, as long as it's not calling people like to like you know um sin or anything like that, obviously. So just within reason, I, I think that's a real, um, that's a very un-American idea because um, we believe so much in power. Yeah, and so that takes the that takes power. And I think in our eyes sometimes it like takes power away from God. Which I don't think it does. I think yeah. it's God just respecting the power that He's given to man in His church, so long as that power is not used to, you know, for um, a sin, which God will always tear, always tear down. And so I'm just particularly like just really fascinated by like what, how does that work? And I think it's super weird for I mean, just I'll, I will include myself in this. Just, I don't like being obedient. That's a problem in my own life that I really should probably fix. And I feel bad about my, um, let's be frank, joke now after I said it's a tragedy when someone loses their vocation. You know, I, I do think like, uh, oh, sorry, I was like, I have um, one more point about this. And now I remember. I think a lot of times we equate obedience with orthodoxy. And I don't think they're the same thing. I think, I think orthodoxy is part of it. But it's not the bigger picture, though, when it comes to being obedient. That was good. Last one. <laughs> Almost an hour later. Wait, let me just say one thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do it, do it. The social media power that goes to the heads of the disobedient is what robs them of their sanctity and their ability to be real revolutionaries in the church, like a Padre Pio or Saint Sister Faustina. They have power in the church after their deaths it, through their sanctity. And unfortunately, it was the church's disobedience, you know, or the church's um, uh, disciplinary actions unjustly that that led them into true Christ-like obedience, right? Son though he was, he learned obedience through what he suffered. That's a quote from mm. Hebrews about Jesus Christ. Son though he was, mm -hmm. he learned obedience through what he suffered. And... You know, what did he have? But he had a bunch of people in high places telling him who he was, and they were lying, right? And that's often what happens to good people who do good things, and they garner too much of the people's attention. The problem is social media. The church doesn't know how to deal at all with social media. So often the clerics use social media as nothing more than a press release rather than thinking as a way to shape hearts and minds and win views and all of this stuff. Um, and so we have, uh, we have these problems that now priests in their, and, and lay people too, right? Uh, and I, you know, you can think of people who have garnered huge followings to the detriment of the church, right? Because of this stuff. And, um, I think it's just a, it's a dangerous time to pretend to feign sanctity, Right, because you will be called to account for it. And if you think you're you're a hero because you are pro LGBT or you or you're um, you know this uh, culture warrior against abortion, all of this stuff, like you will have plenty of fans to to cheer and applaud you all the way to hell. And the simple path to heaven would have been humble obedience. And we'd rather go to hell with applause than than obey. Uh, why doesn't Luke like any cats? Sorry, this is from Anastasia. This is the last one of of 2022. This is it. Uh, what a, what a way to go out. Why doesn't Luke like any Catholic people? Just just joking. 
kind of. But really, are you guys over the Catholic the Catholic the Catholic uh, uh, are you guys over the Catholic social media scene? Ever since becoming a um, like mother almost three years ago, I honestly can't stand any Catholic YouTube slash social media people. I've completely checked out. It's interesting. Um, yeah, for me, I, I checked out, what, a year ago, two years ago? Um, Twitter and all that stuff can be great. It really can be great as long as everyone agrees not to be an a-hole, right? And why is it that people in the name of Jesus are the biggest a-holes, right? I, I think one of the reasons why, um, I was listening to Bishop Barron, and he was talking about it, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, don't, if you're thinking about becoming Catholic, don't get on Catholic Twitter. You know, you'll lose your faith. Um, I think, one, he's unique as a lightning rod for people. But the other thing is, um, like, people, and this goes to social media, people aren't, heard in the church and now they can be and i think that's also a, 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 another side of the problem like we haven't realized how it has demo- like i can go right now and lo- log into twitter and start yelling at bishop Barron, like uh, and yell at cardinal donardo in the archdiocese and so i know someone will read it mm-hmm. like when has a layperson ever had that access you know and a lot of disgruntled lay people do so there is that. Like we're so sick and tired of being treated like rah 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 rah. But um, yeah, I'm over. I'm over it. I, I can tell you, like your life will improve if you get away from ninety percent of that stuff. There's very yeah. few things. Websites are better than uh, social media tweets. Instagram seems yeah. to be funny. I mean, if you can avoid the butts and the cleavage, uh, Instagram can be a very funny place to go and and connect with Catholics. Uh, I. I, I am kind of over it. Um, you know, I, <clears throat> there was, um, there was a thing that Matt Fred did a couple, maybe, gosh, that had been like, I don't know if it was a year ago or, or not. I really don't recall. And I understand, like, I honestly don't fault him for like what, he, for, for, for what he did. And, and I don't want, I don't want to, go into like what he did because i don't want to like i don't i don't think it matters i don't think it was bad i don't think it, it was bad i didn't i just like oh that's that's not the point of view of it that i would take and i remember kind of having this thought of being like like and i was um, viewing it through the lens of i'm catching foxes and i was like so like why are like why are we not doing that and i was like well i think we, we want to be this other be this other thing in, instead and i had this thought of like I'm okay with being the, with being that of that like other thing. I'm okay with that. One thing that's actually been kind of like a bummer with like Matt Frad going on his little like no tech thing is like I don't know about you, like my communication with him has like really dropped off. Yeah, like totally. Like I mean, just from a I mean, because I feel like I was. I mean, there were times where we would like we would text like all the time, and it's just and like he just really backed off of off like a lot of that stuff, and my contact with him just like wiped out so i almost thought about one time about like writing him a letter i just thought it'd be fun <laughs> um and i remember being like man that kind of sucks because i really like communicating with matt i just I, I i really do like matt but then i think about people that i've met on twitter people like um uh like kaylee ruby like the crunch guys the um arlene spensley uh 
the critically speaking guys, like people that I've generally become like real friends that I'm so grateful for. And I, at one time, as much as I like want to disconnect, there is a really good, like there's, there is a goodness there. And I bring all this stuff up that doesn't seem to make any sense. One, because it's 12 o'clock at night. But two, I think I am done. I just don't really care what, like, a lot of people have to say. And and I, I don't mean that even, in, in, like, in, like, a negative way. I just mean, like, when Matt um, brought up his point, I was like, yeah, that's just, I'm like, I don't necessarily agree. That's not the stance that I would take. And I'm, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> like, like it just, it just, it just like um, wasn't a big deal. I wish Matt was like more plugged in because I could talk to him more. But I also totally understand why he's not, and honestly, could probably use like a little bit like more of that. But I like the people that I still have um, these like relationships with, and I feel like if you have on um, social media in its right order, which should always, which I don't know what exactly how to. I mean, I don't know how to. I'm not gonna explain what that is yet because even like I don't know quite how to how to do it at twelve o'clock at night, but it. Um, there is some good that can come out of it. I just think you have to be really, really vigilant. And I also think there's just kind of a point in time where, like, you just kind of get over it. Yeah. You know, it's 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 like the stupid things in college you used to get, like, angry about or some of the rivalries that you would that you had. I just don't care anymore. Right. Right. You know, and there are some people that like I love that I haven't talked to and stuff that I don't care about them, but it's like I don't have the capacity. You know, I, I wish I could talk to all of the 40 guys that we were in household with when we were in college, but I, I can't. I don't have time. And that's okay. So I, I think it's fine. I, I, I don't like, I don't, I would never look down on like anyone who's real into tons of Catholic content or it's like pay attention to all of these influencers or, 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 or anything like that. I just don't, but I would say that that's not where it's at, nor is it in the grand scheme. It's, it's, it's very important to you at that point in time, and that's great, but it doesn't mean that it's important in the grand scheme of things. It's great that it's important to you. I hope we're important to you. I hope we're so important that you're that you're that you're giving us money every month. Like I really do. <laughs> like I, I, <laughs> you put us between your electric bill and your uh, Netflix. No, but like I, I hope we're making a difference in your life. I, I hope that like your life is better because you listen to our our show. At the same time, I hope that you understand that our show means nothing. <laughs> you know, so like, and that's okay. It is okay. There's a period of time uh, here. This is this is this is what I will end with. It's a period of time where I could not imagine a week going by without listening to at least one episode of of the Nerdist podcast. Truly, it was such an important part of like my of my um week and just kind of keeping um me sane during this during that um season of my life. And I found a lot of joy, and I really believe it was God, like allow me to just kind of like just grow at, grow as a person and experience other um, like just like other like things I kind of like refell in um, a love with stuff that wasn't like explicitly like religious but in the sense that it was like um, it was really helping me see like that how true God is and how true like the teachings of the church are because I was like I'm seeing them in other things and I haven't listened to the Nerdist podcast like a like, new episode since like there haven't been any since like 2018 or so and that's okay my life is pretty good um right now so i like the good rant all right well 
Uh, save the one part that we just edited out, which I'll never know what it's going to be about. Um, I think we got to almost all of them, so I, I'm sorry if uh, uh, if uh, we missed anything, and we'll let you guys guess what the one thing that we edited out was. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to it. Yeah. And Gomer, I'm sure we'll text tomorrow, but I love you. I love you too, Luke. Merry Christmas. Hope you have a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And tell you, give your mom a big hug for me. Hmm? I will. I will. I'm sure, like, me and Emily will probably drunk dial you at some point. Oh, time, so. you guys better. Emily's going to be down there? Me? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, yeah, because we're, we're going to be out in Phoenix. Oh, so, she lives there. And Emily lives there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll be at Andy's one night, and we'll just drunk dial you. It'll be great. Yay! Did we drunk dial you when we were at the bar? No. When she was in town? No. Dude, hey, 2023 is going to be uh, the eighth year of Catching Foxes. That's insane. Can you believe it? No. Wow. Let's go. Let's do it. We're going to we're going to come up on the big 10 soon. <laughs> <laughs>